A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Scott Telford. Hey! That was a long four weeks, wasn't it? A long four <laughs> weeks off. Hey, you take as much time as you need to, my friend. Um, Josh Brown, welcome back to the wind-up. Hey, to Gaming Zone. It's great to be back. Hey. It really genuinely is. I've been looking forward to this for months, and it kept getting delayed, as you can yeah. probably have guessed. Thought I was going to be back for Spider-Man 2. <laughs> That's really funny, hey, isn't, isn't it? Much, so don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that next week, my friend. We will. But no, lovely to be back. Lovely to see you. Lovely to be back in the office. And lovely to to be doing a podcast for everyone listening. Yes. Thanks so much, by the way. Uh, before we get into this, uh, a little a little serious note. Thank Do you it. so much for uh, the support that you listening to this uh, gave me over the past few months. It was much appreciated. I know I didn't reply to anyone on Twitter, but that's because <laughs> I I went a bit mad. You know, I went, I went a bit just, mad. You know, I take the time. I, mean, you know, yeah. I was a bit stressed out about it, but I really did read every single thing that everyone sent me, even if I didn't reply to it. And mm. I uh, genuinely, genuinely appreciate it. You helped me through that time. Thank you very much. Much. Yeah, I can only echo those sentiments. Everybody who got in touch, who asked after you, everybody asked if we're doing okay. Um, massive thank you to everybody who uh, who reached out in any capacity. And like, I love you for doing what you did. I think it's like, I was going to swear there and say effing awesome. Um, but I'm just glad that you took the time. I always champion people to take the time they need. And uh, and we're just going to figure it out as things go forward. We've got some podcasts to get through. But how's he feeling? How's he doing? I'm okay. Not I'm too not bad. too bad. I'm, I'm a bit, you know what? The, the funny thing is, I was, I was scared I wouldn't be able to do this anymore. Mm. Like I was scared that I'd come back and my, I'd be like so rusty. I'd forget how to right. talk. I'd forget how to present. I'd forget how to discuss games, you know, because <laughs> I spent so long not looking at gaming news, not even playing that much. You, you can actually see, them. hilariously, we're going to talk about this in a little bit. You can see the point that I left to have my break because if you looked at my PlayStation wrapped, mm -hmm. you know, the end of year wrap up that they did, it's a different game every month until you get to September, which is when I bailed. And then it's just Call of Duty afterwards because <laughs> I was just living on that. And I thought that was very funny. You can pinpoint the the moment. The playtime just goes right yeah. up. This is, <laughs> yeah, this is the, uh, the value of Call of oh, Duty. Oh man, those first two weeks, because it was when Starfield came out. Yeah. I think I played 80 hours of Starfield in a week. Like, well, that's all that. I did. We did that podcast. It was in September. I forget what the title of it was, but we did something about how much me and you were loving Starfield. And then you went for your time off and the general reception to Starfield just nosedived. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And I remember just watching that going like, well, me and Josh liked it. <laughs> I thought it was great. I still think it's one of the games of the year and we put it in there. Uh, me and Josh are actually going to do our completely subjective games of the year 20 
2023 next week because how else am I going to talk about Aka R? I exactly. can't do that if it's not just it, with you. And look, I, I was kicking myself as well because I missed some fantastic games that I was looking forward to, like Alan Wake 2, like Spider-Man 2, like mm. a bunch of others that mm-hmm. dropped um, after I left that um, I'm essentially going to take you hostage in this studio <laughs> and then just spew all the thoughts yeah. at you that I've had over the past few months. And actually, maybe... As we haven't actually talked about this, but maybe even talk about the process of what's been happening behind the scenes with the with the doctors and whatnot, mm. and what's been happening in the in the old realm of mental health a bit more yeah. seriously at some point, perhaps. But that's for well, a later what, day. What, Today we're just chilling. One thing out. I was going to mention before when you said about like worrying whether or not you could do this again, it was it was funny because obviously like I wanted you to have such a disconnect, so I wasn't bothering you that much. I didn't want to message you like, "Hey, Josh, have you seen this? Look at this game that's going on." Yeah, and I was like, "No." From my point of view, I was like, "I thought you'd be better off getting a full disc." Connect. I'm only going to remind you of work anyway. I didn't talk so, to anyone for three months. Right. I ignored everyone's messages for three <laughs> no, months. I felt so bad about it afterwards, but I just, I, I couldn't do it. There well, was we, we talked about, about it. it before you were away because I said, like, do you want like a full, complete disconnect? And I know you said, like, no, just still keep in touch. But yeah. I, I still kind of thought, like, it's only going to be beneficial if you can get away from the stuff that was tiring you out in the first place. Yeah. And i.e., the amount of hashtag content that we turn over. It was. And various other factors. But that whole thing, I was going to just quickly say, yeah, when you were on. worried about, you know, could I do this again? I remember when we finally got back in touch and we, like, we were just meant to have some sort of chat about a potential return and everything else. And we talked for like an hour. Yeah. And I was like, that's it. It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> we, it's, we put it on the shelf for a bit, but it's right there. Like, it's going to come right back. He hasn't um, skipped a beat. I think it was recently when, uh, obviously, the return to work was locked in. Mm-hmm. And we obviously needed to talk about logistics and stuff, what it was going to look like. And then I think we just, I was just so excited to talk about Boulder's Gate <laughs> that I think on the you official... weirdly there. You didn't put <laughs> That was a symptom of uh, what was happening to me (laughs) over Christmas. I got Avatar Frontiers of Pandora and asked it off my parents for Christmas, Uh actually. And I was playing through the opening hour, really looking forward to being able to kind of turn my brain off Mm. and play something really pretty and kind of Far Cry-esque. But I also had Baldur's Gate 3 installed (laughs) at, at the same time. And I was playing through that opening hour just thinking... Josh, what are you doing? You've got the highest rated game of the year there that you haven't played, that you've been looking forward to. What the hell are you doing <laughs> playing Avatar Frontiers of Pandora? So I've sacked that off for now, and uh, I'm 30 hours into Baldur's Gate 3, but maybe that's a conversation when we talk about well, game of the, the year. We've got, we've got many ideas for the podcast, and we're going to do... Um, today's one's just going to kind of be a wrap-up thing, because there's so many big old news stories that um, you missed sort of weighing in on across the last few months, and I thought it'd be funny and a bit, like, you know, um, interesting in a, in a retrospective way to just go back over the last few months of uh, video games because there's so many talking points whether it be Jim Ryan um, retiring he says he's retiring he's stepping down he's had enough he can't make his life service plans work whether it be Jim Ryan uh, Naughty Dog Surf GTA 6 Modern Warfare whatever we'll get through all those things um, I do want to say though like the and we'll touch in and you know touch in on different things in regards to mental health and prioritizing the ability to take the time um, for yourself I do champion that above all else I think the the last few months and everything that you've been through or like we've been through it's worth just no, like letting people know they can do that. Yeah. Because I feel like it's it's such a big step to be like, actually, I need to prioritize myself. And we talk about it so much. Like it kind of becomes like a soundbite or it becomes like, oh, make sure you take care of yourself. Yeah. And I do think people are getting there overall. I think that, um, you know, the, the bars being raised in regards to mental health awareness, but being able to actually do it, like the, the, uh, the, um, the ability for you to actually do that is to be champion, man. Absolutely, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard, it's hard to do. I think it's, for me, anyway, I can only talk from my perspective, but it was something that I wanted to do for for years, mm. like years and years. I just I knew I wanted to get help, but like putting that into action was the most difficult thing I've ever done mm. in my life. And I could only have accomplished it myself, truthfully, if I 
with the support network that I had, I think if I was on my own, I'd, I don't even know if I would have been able to get right. over that hurdle. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have been able to take that time off and, mm-hmm. and what have you. So, yeah, it's like, it's, 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 it's uh, I don't, I don't want to say I've backed myself or anything, but, you know, it's, you it's, should it's, take it's, it, man. it's like man. the it's ability, hard. <laughs> dude, totally, like the ability to take those steps and do it. And I'm speaking in a way that makes it sound like podcast voice, but yeah, I'm so it. proud of you, man. like <laughs> genuinely. You. And uh, yeah, if anyone's listening to this and maybe they don't necessarily have the support network, just know that taking the first step is the main thing. This is it. This is why I'm uh, now, for some reason, unexpectedly pitching you a podcast live <laughs> on air. But that's kind of why I wanted to um, do something mm-hmm. um, talking about like the actual process because going into it myself, for me, one of the hardest things was talking to anyone about mm-hmm. it. You know, one of the nicest things that I think you can, one of the nicest messages you can get and I got a lot of them at the mm. time, is someone saying, like, I'm here to talk anytime. And yeah. that is lovely, mm. but I'm someone who who can't do that. Like, I'm not going to go to someone I know directly and talk through it. You know, my dad, for instance, has been through pretty much everything I've been through over the past few months. Mm. I didn't even tell him that I was off work. You know I what I mean? I didn't think you would have done. Didn't even tell him I was off work. Mm. And then about three weeks into it, I got a phone call saying, like, oh, I... Yeah, I know. I know what the crack is. Right. I guess my brother or sister must have um, must have informed them. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was something like that where I, just, I I I personally can't do it. So I found a lot of refuge actually on forums and subreddits when I was trying to learn about it because mm-hmm. it felt a little bit more indirect. It felt like I was getting people's experiences, mm-hmm. but I I wasn't asking. I didn't have the challenge of asking people I actually knew in kind of opening like, up in that way. So I, I kind of do want to do something eventually, I don't know, maybe in podcast form, kind of having myself explain what I went through yeah. just because I think it might be beneficial to someone else who might have that same issue and they can get an almost secondhand account of, oh, well, this happened to Josh. This is how Josh yeah. did this thing. Or this, this was his experience. And I found personally relating to the experience of strangers online really helpful in getting me um, comfortable with a lot of the stuff that I had to do over the past few months. So that's kind of what I had in mind. Yeah, man. I think they're all steps in the right direction. Like, I mean, I, over the, when I was younger, like, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, you dive on forums, you find solace in that, their communities, but they're like, uh, there's a certain distance to it, to it, which can be reassuring because you don't have that person in the room necessarily, yeah. but you can still, um, having written sentiments can be easier than having to worry about trying to phrase it in a certain way. Um, did you find like, I guess, relief or strength or whatever in being able to share that with your dad eventually or not? Um, yes and no. Uh, I still struggle with it. You know, the reason I kind of want to do it as a podcast, as a piece of content, is I personally, even though, this is the most we've talked about it, right? Yeah. This is kind of like Other the Other when it was at the beginning when you yeah. were going to take time off, yeah. Absolutely. Like, I've not talked, still not really talked in depth about it to anyone. Mm. And that's because I personally... I just find that the most difficult thing on earth is actually opening up and having a serious conversation with someone about it. I don't know why Mm -hmm. that's the case, but it is. But I find it very easy to do it through a medium. Mm. I find it easy to open up in written form if I'm doing like a little piece of writing about something or even, like I said, within the confines of the studio, turning it into, and I'm not turning it into content, but that's the only (laughs) word I've got for it right now, using this medium to kind of, as a, as a conduit to discuss those things. Yeah. I find that incredibly easy. And it's kind of weird that if I'm doing something as, let's 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 use the word art, because I don't like the word content. If I'm okay. doing something, expressing myself in 
art, mm-hmm. which I, I I think you'd have to stretch that definition of that fine. word for this like, podcast. I find it really easy. Yeah. I find it really easy to be honest. Mm-hmm. I find it impossible to be truly honest when I'm just sat with someone and I'm talking to them mm. without that element. I don't know why. That's just I think over the years, because we've known each other for a long time now, like it'll be our 10th year, if not our 11th year, when I very first messaged you. Um, I think that was 2014 when I very first messaged you. Might be, yeah. It's, it's yeah. around 10 years. So, anyway. yeah, around 10 years. Over the years, we've had like very honest conversations about things. And yeah. I th- I, I've always, I've told you this, I think you're way better at this than you give yourself credit for. Um, hence, which is testament to the fact that you are so um, capable of talking about it like this. Like how many people could do that? Like I think that's a, that's a, thing that you should take and go no that's mine I can do that mm. um, and it's worth uh, knowing that as well but um, but yeah I think for me it was just like we have a bit of a platform there are a lot of people listening to this um, and we've both sides of us have had different struggles with mental health like for me it's different family members um, but being there with them for years and years and years and, and going through hospital visits and different things like that lots of dark times um, but I've always found that like the when any little glimmer of light is there at all that's so restorative where it's just like we chase that and then you laugh onto that and you do get through it and there's there is a strength in in sharing the problem or sharing the issue and and it is and it is talking it's communication but it's just openness and like i said i think you're way better than you than you think you are um but i think there's so much strength in uh, and positivity and just just getting things out there yeah like once they're like in the light of day i'm, I'm definitely hedging on uh, uh, circling various thoughts that already exist and quotes that exist yeah but i think once you get a dark thought out there or whatever it is um, it does expose it and it neutralizes it. And I, I, I am a very big a problem shared as a problem halved person. Right. So it's just, I, I, um, I've always found that to be the <laughs> ultimate end game, but it can take years. Well, part of my issue is that to me, a problem shared is a problem spread. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> that's kind of what I was, I'm trying to get to where you yeah, are. Yeah. I'm trying my best. I'm, I'm at really the bottom well, of the man. hill. I've made some progress and hopefully, you know, it's still very early days. Mm-hmm. Like that's the frustrating thing about it. Again, I don't want to make this whole podcast about this, but the most frustrating aspect of the past few months was the time was how long everything mm. took and is taking now like i'm not here 100 right the second mm-hmm. i'm feeling better mm-hmm. am i feeling good i don't know yet mm-hmm. i don't know it's going to take a long time it's not something that can be fixed in a few no. weeks a few months probably not even a few years mm-hmm. you know what i mean but i i'm pleased that it started mm-hmm. and i'm pleased that you know, I've made progress Good, yeah, e- enough to be here. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's, I was just going to say that. I'm just glad you're here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just nice to take those steps. Like we were saying even this morning about like, hey, man, if we can just sit down and talk about the potential of what we're going to do for the rest of the day and, uh, and maybe we'll do a, a podcast, maybe we'll do a bit of news, like we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. That is all, that's more than enough. Like the main thing is that you're here. Like the main thing is that like we can talk again in person. Like that's cool. That's enough for me. Um, and whatever we can uh, hit record on and do more is like a bonus Like yeah. on top of that. Um, but yeah, so overall we thought we've got a few more plans for the rest of the week and next week and stuff and we'll just see what we can get to. Um, but the main thing for today's part is just catching up on stuff from last year because there were so many big talking points that you didn't get a chance to weigh in on. Um, GDA6, mate. <laughs> are, you, are you thinking about that? God, a, a guy goes away for four months. <laughs> GTA 6 happens. One of his best friends finds out he's becoming a dad. Like, I've not missed much, have I, really? Just the biggest (laughs) game and the biggest announcements of the entire year. GTA 6, my friend. We were still Um, DMing on the night that it broke. We were. Yeah, we were. just like, oh my God, this thing. I was trying to live vicariously through you. I was like, please do a video, Scott. Please (laughs) do a reaction. It's worth saying that, like, you kind of convinced me to do it because initially it broke at uh, UK time. It broke at about 20 to 12, I think, at night. And I was on the way to bed. And I remember... I just checked my phone because I just see what time it was as I was going to bed. And I had a message from Ewan initially, uh, Ewan Patterson, and he messaged me just saying, have you seen the GTA 6 leak? And I was like, oh, what's that? <laughs> and it was like, it must have just been happening in real time with everybody because all of a sudden I had a DM from 
Strawn, I had a DM from you, um, and I was looking at the the initial leaked one with the Bitcoin thing written across the middle of it. Yes. Um, which I did, I don't know enough about Bitcoin. I didn't even know what BTC was. I remember afterwards it was like, oh, the crypto kids hacked. And I was like, did they? Well, I missed all of that. Right. I saw that. I saw after the fact that it had leaked, and that's why um, Rockstar actually put it out. Mm. But I only saw the official trailer, and right. then I learned after the fact. I thought, that's really strange. It happened in so insane time. Like, it was like the, the initial leak happened from the Bitcoin people or whatever that was. That did the rounds for about five minutes, if that, excuse me. And then uh, almost immediately after that got taken down, and then Rockstar tweeted, going, well, here you go. Yeah. Just have it. Um, and that was when I, the, everyone started DMing. I was talking to you about it, and I forget the exact words you used, but you were like, you should do the video. Yes. And I, I don't know if it was you. I had Dan Durkin, one of our editors, was messaging me anyway. Um, and either I talked to you about it, or he suggested it. I think you suggested it, going like, just yeah. see if he wants to do it. And I was like, it's midnight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> GTA 6 is only going to come out once. I think that's um, what I said. I was trailer. like, you'll only get to do this once. Yeah. You know, it's GTA it was 6. Like, it's late at night. My, my pregnant wife's asleep. I was like, I have nowhere to record. So I was like, let me just prop a phone up on the side of a, a, a table in my living room and just record that way. And then, uh, yeah, we turned it around. It was it was online by like 1 a.m. or something. But um, yeah, that was fun. You know what the funny thing is with GTA 6 is that that is the only Grand Theft Auto game that I've been in games coverage for. I remember you saying that, yeah. I was never even a huge fan when I was growing up. Like, mm. I played Vice City to death. I played mm -hmm. GTA 3 to death. But... I just did free roam sandbox mayhem. I mm. never got into the characters, never got into the stories. I don't even think I finished any of those early games. Didn't play San Andreas. Then GTA 4 came yep. around. Loved that. Was in the hype cycle, but was never into like the rumors and stuff. Mm. Same with GTA 5. Watched all the trailers, was really excited. Mm -hmm. Didn't keep up with any leaks. I have no idea if anything leaked about that game. But it was a different story with Six because we were in this kind of job and we were covering all of the leaks, all of the rumors. Yeah. It was weird to see a trailer confirm a lot of the stuff that we'd been talking about mm. for five years. Obviously, they didn't originate from us, but like what we'd been covering. It was a long time. It was a long time, right? You know, the, the main characters, the setting, the size of the map, some of the new features. And it was it was exciting, but in a different way from other game reveals to kind of have it solidified, yeah. have it be more than just leaks or potential fabrication and mm -hmm. to see those characters um, as they were supposed to be presented. Because I know we got those videos from a few years ago now that were just yeah, actually, genuine yeah. gameplay leaks that were kind of seismic mm -hmm. at the time. But, you know, they were, they were rough around the edges, of course. They were in development. So to see a proper confident trailer... Man, it, it knocked my socks off. It made me really <laughs> excited. I thought that they, and we obviously talked about this, though, so I'm not going to spend too long on each one of these. Necessarily, it depends what it is. But for GTA 6, I remember just loving the editing of it. I love Tom Petty on the soundtrack. Um, like, Love is a Long Road, or whatever that song's called, is awesome. And it was just, like, it was just so refreshing. And, like, I've been one of the biggest... Um, uh, critics of Rockstar, modern Rockstar, for so long. Um, and it is playing it safe. Like, it's a very safe trailer. Like, it's GTA 101. Um, but I did think it worked. It did have enough of an identity immediately where I was like, I actually can't wait to dive in there. Yeah. Um, and I'm immediately in love with Lucia. I was like, I can't wait to play as her. <laughs> I don't care about Jason at all. But, like, I just want to do all that stuff and, uh, and play as her and everything. So it's like, it did land very strongly with me. Like, that was such a fun, like, reveal time. Yeah. And I also think it's like, it's a wider conversation. I might end up doing, or I might ask you to do a video with me or something on it that there are so few event games now there are so few if any really games that make everybody turn heads 
And I remember the next day after GTA 6 dropped, it was like I was downstairs with the, the wrestling guys, and they were all like, have you seen it? Have you seen it? Or, I, or they didn't know about it. Like some people did, some people didn't. Right. And getting to watch GTA 6 for uh, people's first time, like watching it with Michael Sidgwick, with Hamlet, with Murray, like Nicholas, like all the first times again. And I was like, man, I miss this. Yeah. When like a game's big enough to turn the heads of a whole room. Like I feel like Elden Ring was one of the last ones. Um, it's very rare that something is that big. Yeah, and it feels like it's getting rarer. Mm. I think we probably have talked about this before just in terms of the impact of a game now. You know, you totally. can have something as big as Marvel's Spider-Man 2, which I really enjoyed, by the way. Um, have it dominate the conversation for two weeks, three weeks, <laughs> and then it, <laughs> it, it, it kind of goes. Like, just, I think it's not just an issue with mm. video games. I think it's an issue with culture as a whole. Like, I can't remember the last time a big movie really mm. had that lasting impact. You know, obviously it was Oppenheimer and Barbie in the summer, and again, they were kind of like GTA 6 mm. and making you realize how frequent those kind of things used to be and how mm. rare they are now. That's the thing, and it's like, yeah, something like, I think the exact same thing. I think the MCU and Disney's, like, rollout of that kind of recalibrated expectations for what a movie worth talking about is, and if it's not this big shared thing or it's not this big ongoing saga timeline thing, predictions and everything else, then it's not going to hold. Yeah. Uh, I think Barbie and Oppenheimer proved that wrong to a degree, but, like, I'm curious if anything sticks out this year, because when I look at the the bigger movies, I remember, like, right as we're recording this, um, just a few hours ago, Sony were on stage for CES, and they put their big slate up of all the movies that are coming out, and they're just it's so boring it was like <laughs> Madam Web and uh, and like Bad Boys and uh, another Ghostbusters and it was like oh my god oh man you know there were a few days that I wished I could have been in the office for and the Madam Web reveal trailer day is one of them that was incredible Ewan was messaging me that it had uh, dropped as well and it was just so it funny. doesn't even seem real. Can't wait for that movie. Uh, you can't. You can wait. <laughs> we can wait a long time. But um, yeah, there's, there's, there is that thing where something comes along that is big enough for it, it. Like I said, it turns heads. I think that's the, the core thing that I want more of um, in 2024. Let me ask you about um, one final thing on GTA 6, yes. if you'll permit me. I did, you've probably talked about this already. Sorry, mm. I didn't keep up with every Don't podcast. Don't worry about I did anything else. now and then, though. Oh, good. Um, and thank you again, by the way, for everyone who kept shouting me out on the UBP, yeah. uh, wishing me well. Really appreciate that as well. Anyway, the point is GTA 6, that having a 2025 release Mm. window, I think that's going to get pushed to 2026, but I like at least that they're not being um, too jumping the gun. That's not how you phrase that phrase, but you know what I mean? I'm pleased they didn't put 2024 on there, get everyone excited, and then Mm. inevitably delay it. I Mm. like that at least, you know, it's we know it's a few years out now. Well, they seem to, the way they went about that, I mean, obviously there was the report that I think Jason Schreier wrote up for Bloomberg where it was like, they were aware on the dev side that it's been a long time. Like, it it has been uh, 11 years since GTA 5, the original version on PS3. Crazy. Hilarious. And they were very aware of that, but the amount of money that GTA Online makes, there's just zero reason to rush it out. And I, I quite... I guess like in a business mentality, I like that they were like, okay, this is the next main installment. We're still going to support GTA Online for like another year in its current form, and then we'll figure out what the hell the next stage of it is. Um, but it made sense. I remember Strauss Zelnick over the last 10 years said they never expected online to be what it is. Um, and it was like, you might as well do right by that fandom to a point, as opposed to saying like, oh, it ends very soon. Yeah. But also the business reality of like, GTA Online is not slowing down, and you could just ride that out. Like you could just have a Rocket League or have a Fortnite or whatever, and just keep plugging stuff into that. So it's like, at some point, why do you even need to do another number GTA? Like you're yeah. following on from a tradition that is a, a di- from a different media cycle or a different um, like 
you know, game release cycle and all that, all the lead creators have gone anyway. Yeah, like I think true. the GTA 6 will be the last game that has uh, Dan Hauser and Leslie Benzies and um, Lazo Jones's DNA in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, Michael Unsworth, I think, is the other guy. Um, they obviously helped get it get, get it going. And I think that obviously they've left and stuff. But yeah, that's interesting. If you just go cold hard business, which we see everywhere at the minute, you wouldn't even get a GTA 6. So yeah. I think like it is, it's good that they're not just the GTA online company. Absolutely. Yeah, I and think, I got a little story from that trailer. With, with online as well, I wonder, like that, that thing needs a refresh at some mm. point. I know it obviously doesn't still run on the same infrastructure from the PS3 days. You know, they su- stopped support for that generation rather quickly, in my yeah. opinion, so they could, you know, build bigger features and it enhance the scale of it. Mm. But for as lovely as GTA V Remastered is, I do think, you know, you need something... I want something more next-gen. You know, it's been so long since we've had a GTA game, and I still love GTA Online, but like you said there, you know, that thing was never meant to be as big as it eventually (laughs) became, and the fact that they managed to support it in a way that kept it interesting for so long, to me, is kind of a miracle. Like, I thought that thing would have been dead within a few years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm actually really interested in a GTA 6 that is built with online in mind in a bigger way like i obviously yeah. still want the story but what can they do knowing they have people's attentions and knowing they can build something mm-hmm. that will last 10 years i'm hoping that that's like something on the map side like uh, obviously interiors have been mentioned loads but i like the idea of gunfights or vehicle chases going exterior interior taking cover like, oh I, I spot a getaway vehicle over there i'm gonna bring it in and like i don't know i want things that are like inventive in that way where i'm, I'm thinking on the fly one of the best things that um i was gonna call it new cyberpunk there was always bits of it in there before but um new the cyberpunk's latest release or whenever they brought out the new skill tree um added as far as i know the ability to control vehicles like i do it in my playthrough but i'm, I'm not sure if it was in there initially but like you're in a gunfight and you can just tell the vehicle behind the guy to floor it and wipe that guy out nice. and it's like that's the cool thing that was in watchdogs yeah um, and it's like little things like that where you can start thinking in different ways that a standard shooter wouldn't let you or a standard third person shooter or something wouldn't let you um yeah there's a lot i mean gta 6 i think later this year we'll get the jason trailer because we had the lucia trailer last year yeah character trailers are rockstar's thing um and they're in no rush so i i, I probably back you that it'll be at least next year do you know what i can't wait for i can't you wait put for... walking dead destiny <laughs> i don't i don't want to give you that yet so i don't know in a second no what i can't wait for is the return of the rockstar voice over you know <laughs> the trailer the, the trailer woman who does all of the rockstar um like gameplay reveals yes. telling you about the new features i used to love that back in the day right like, i i my some of my fondest memories of video game marketing surrounds Elliot noir in the rollout for Ooh. that and all of the new kind of like gameplay feature trailers that would drop for mm. it just got me excited i just hope <laughs> they stick with that I remember like the I don't have nostalgia for that because my GTA like pocket is the original ones and then I love like Bully and the Warriors and that era like that era of Rockstar even table tennis but like uh, the still it is iconic and they can big, do more with that yeah it's a big sort of divide between you and I because mm. my era of Rockstar is definitely Red Dead Redemption onwards that's oh. when they became a uh, you know a proper five-star developer for right. me personally catering mm. to my interests they got a bit more story focused and mm. a bit more cinematic uh, oh yeah i tell you what it's a, to that vein i've been playing back through max Payne 3 across the holiday Oi. what a perfect game i'm gonna do that soon it's been on oh. the brain obviously you know i missed the passing of james mccaffrey yeah shut up um and yeah i want to go back through that 
title because I think he even made a few tweets like praising his performance yeah. in that game and talking about how great it was and I've not played it in a long time so I'm pleased that you're doing it's it so as well. phenomenal in Alan Wake 2 as well and after Alan Wake 2 I went back into Control I didn't finish all of Control again but like he's so good as the director in that yes um, and it's yeah James McCaffrey a hell of a talent some people when they pass away it is it is only a loss to humankind. We are just missing someone who was phenomenal, um, you know, in, in regards to the capacity that he held. Um, yeah, Walking Dead Destinies. Let's, yeah, well, let's talk about what, what, what are you doing. Need a couple of minutes on this because okay. obviously Walking Dead Destinies, to some, is the worst game to of some. 2023. And yep. that's quite a big claim. There were some bad games in 2023. <laughs> all from like, the same publisher. All from the same it, yeah. publisher. There was that Kong game. Yep. There was the day before. There's the Avatar there game that the, was also terrible. <laughs> there <laughs> They're is that as well. Mill. They're all from Game Mill. But as a big Walking Dead fan, like an unashamed fanboy of that series, uh-huh. the idea of playing a video game where you can change the story to me is tantalizing. And mm. the fact that it looks so bad is even more tantalizing. <laughs> I've been devouring every bit of content I can get oh, my hands on yep. about this game because I can't believe that it exists. I can't believe that this is a thing. You know, I was watching, <laughs> who was it? It might have been the skill up review of it, or it might have been the game ranks review of it, okay. where they said that there was like a Venn diagram. This game is for people who like bad games yep. and love The Walking Dead, and no one else <laughs> should try it. I'm in that you Venn diagram. Right that, yeah. that is me. They yeah. made this game for me. <laughs> and as soon as I can justify spending the money on it, I will buy it. I will do an editorial on it. threatening me with a finger point, though. I'm finger pointing at you because it <laughs> looks absolutely mad. It looks terrible. Brother. I mean, I uh, was going to get the Avatar game because I've been watching Legend of Korra over the holidays. A lot of people love the original Atla. Nice. And uh, my wife watches Atla pretty much every year, the original Avatar The Last Airbender. I can't get away with Aang as a main character. I was so confused when you just mentioned the Avatar game. The, other, the, the good I Avatar. I thought you meant the James Cameron Avatar. No, but we should pivot into that because you played a bit of Avatar uh, Frontiers of Pandora. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It looks really good. I'm excited to get back to it, mm. you know? Um, I had in for Walking Dead. <laughs> I, might, I, might do, I might do that. Um, That's your destiny. Like I said uh, earlier on the podcast, you know, all I wanted was a kind of brain off collectathon game <laughs> in the Ubisoft style. Uh-huh. And I had no real big hopes for it, especially because towards the end of the year, I thought that game was just buried. Like that oh, got yeah, no yeah. marketing. No one was really talking about it. No. I felt like I had to seek out the reviews, but those reviews were actually. It's quite fine good. Enough, yeah, they were yeah. fine enough. Mm. You know, I was seeing the user score being quite high as well. And I just thought, you know, I want to see what they've what they've done here. I actually liked the division quite mm. a lot. And knowing it was the same developers mm. um who made the Avatar game, I thought, I have no love for this series necessarily, mm-hmm. but I could I could go for it. And yeah, even from the first hour, I, I know it's a game I'm gonna enjoy. Probably not love, probably not a game of the year contender, <laughs> but it it kind of plays, I was expecting Far Cry, at least initially, it mm. plays more like first-person Horizon. Yeah, that's the thing, which is funny. I, I wish I could remember the person who tweeted this, but I, met, I remember talking to you about it. Um, someone tweeted, I'm going to keep calling it, they, they X'd 
that um, <laughs> the Horizon IP is the avatar of video games. Yeah. Because no one talks about it, no one gets passionate about it or really cares, um, but it sells very well. And it is this thing that everyone kind of has a visual association of and people can think about what they, you know, things come to mind when you say Horizon. There are distinguishable features for it. Um, what do you think about the avatar IP? Because I tried watching Way of Water over the Christmas and I was like, nah, this is still as flat and crap and forgettable as I thought it was. Well, here's the thing. Go on. I don't think about the avatar IP, <laughs> but I don't harbor any ill will against it. I saw Me neither, the actually, yeah. original movie in theaters at the time. 2009. Happened, 2009. Me and my dad were actually reminiscing about that over Christmas nice. because it, it did release close to Christmas, if right. I recall. So we were like, can you believe it was 14 years ago? Uh-huh. Um, but I'm not- 15 this year. Yeah, bloody hell. Horrific. I've not kept up with it since. I've not seen Way of Water, but um, you know, I have, I, I like that it's there. Mm. I like that it, unfathomably makes $2 billion every single time (laughs) one of them comes out. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I'd forgotten so much about the franchise that when you jump into your avatar in the game, I forgot they were tall. I forgot Uh, they were really, really tall. That took me by surprise and it actually took a little while to get used to because you're this giant in these human facilities. And I thought, that's odd. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, I'm dying for like a new franchise. Like I I know like obviously June's not a new franchise, but it's it's, going to be at least a trilogy. I like the idea of getting on board with that, but then I didn't really, the the movie didn't really get me. I was like, oh my God, this is so kind of slow and boring. But I, I want a new big thing yeah like uh like the matrix and lord of the rings and star wars and marvel like they're all done so i'm like i want a new thing and i was like maybe avatar can be the new thing <laughs> and then when i watched it i was like nah nah it's just it's so boring it's the same basic story i want way more to it and i even as i'm watching way of water i was like i can't tell if this is cool or not right like, the look of the characters like i like the idea of it but it doesn't get me at all i was having a similar um experience with the game because mm. i i couldn't figure out whether what i was seeing was cool and interesting or Weird and strange and not cool and interesting because <laughs> I try hard. I quite like the the design of the world. It looks lush, especially playing it on the PlayStation mm. Five on quality mode. Mm. Um, but I went into the menus, and the menus are kind of what I would describe as like Disney movie esque. Yeah. It, it kind of looks like I don't know, like I'm playing a Bug's Life on PS One or something like that. It's actually not so me. close to a Bug's Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it kind of is, right? <laughs> and it has the. Of course, now standard Ubisoft circular cursor, even oh. on console, which put me off to high heaven. Uh-huh. But yeah, like it's a it's a weird paradox of a franchise, I think. And I'm definitely going to watch that sequel movie when I get back into the game. It's in worth a, in it for the, years. yeah for the effects. Like it's yeah. beautiful. Like I, that was the thing watching. I was like, how did someone throw this much money at something this bland? Like <laughs> in terms of like the the story that's being told, it's the most it's the most bland thing possible. Um, but yeah, Avatar is like remains fascinating. That's why I was I'm curious because how much money it makes, whether the game does tons as well. Well, what's funny about the game it, it, as well is that obviously it references the movie quite a lot. Mm. It's always talking or mentioning, at least in the early hours, um, Jake, the character from yeah. the films. Jake Sully, I think he's called. Mm. And I have no idea what he's ever done. You I know? was going to remember when he was know. like the next thing in Hollywood. Yeah, like Sam, Sam Worthington. Worthington. Yeah, he was yeah, in Clash of in, the Titans and it was uh, like... This Terminator the, as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is the guy. And then it, he wasn't the guy. He, he had You're not capable a, of being the guy. No. And it was like, was it Man on a Ledge or something? And he was just like, he was on a ledge for a while. Was he? Was I remember he that was when well? I dropped off, ironically. Right. But I remember when like that movie came out and it was like Sam Worthington's like flexing his drama muscles and whatever. And I was like, I'm done. Like I've done too many things with him. You're a wrestling fan. I am. I think Sam Worthington, this is an analogy that might be a little fractured because I don't actually watch that much wrestling, (laughs) wrestling, Mm -hmm. but Sam Worthington to me is like a guy who 
came into the company and was initially pushed as like the next big wrestler, the next big <laughs> thing. And then obviously the fans are kind of like, he's not the guy, he we're not going to get behind him. He doesn't have it. And then he goes away for a bit. But because he's gone away and because he's got nostalgia mm. and he was intended to be the guy, but now he's not. I actually like it when Sam Worthington pops up and stuff now because I'm like, oh, you've... Has he done you, stuff? He, well, he was in Avatar, wasn't he? He was, yeah. he, was <laughs> in, <laughs> he was in the Clash of the Titans sequel, which I actually yeah. thought was all right. You know what I mean? So every time an actor like that mm. pops up in a supporting role, I think... Yeah, I like this. I mean, we love I dig this. People love comeback stories. Like yeah. it's that thing where, but I was mentioning uh, the lack of Avatar and uh, marketing around the Avatar game. Way of Water had nothing either. Like I, my go-to is like, how many people are on the Graham Norton couch? And like, <laughs> I, like um, Sam Williamson wasn't on the Graham Norton couch, or if he was, I missed him. Right. I think Zoe Saldana did a couple of interviews. That was the episode it, you missed, probably. But it's like it just—it still felt like it, there wasn't this like wave of marketing for it. It was like it's there if you want it, and then it was like insane that it started doing all those in, like uh, box office numbers, and it feels like the game as well. It's like it's there if you want it. We're not yeah. going to push it. We're not going to remind people how much it's like Far Cry. That kind of came out in the hands-on previews. Um, it didn't feel like they led with this is the billion dollar making, you know, billion dollar movies tie-in. It was just like, it's there if you want it, whatever. We don't really care. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. 
And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. But for whatever reason, that approach does work for Avatar. It really does. Yeah. And it's it's really strange how, you know... Have you ever met an Avatar fan? I've met, I've met a single one. Well, I've never met a diehard fan, but I've met a, a lot of one. people right. who, if you say, like, are you interested in Avatar? They'd go, yeah, kind of. Like, right. they would see it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're kind of casual fans. It's the, it's the FIFA of the movie world <laughs> where it just has that massive spread. It has that kind of massive what I would describe as tepid appeal, right. but it reaches so far and wide, and there's no Avatar haters, I don't think. And there's no. also no Avatar fanboys. Mm. So you just get this kind of like middle ground of people who are kind of interested and kind mm. of will see it in a and and like it enough to pay for a ticket to see the movie. That was my thing with, yeah, like watching Way of Water, I was like, I don't like it. I don't hate it. It's not, I other it, it's nothing. I just say it's over there now. Like it's uh, nothing, it's sorry, it's just nothing. Um, but it, which I guess has financial success in there somewhere. Like it's just, oh, it's just, it's the weirdest IP <laughs> and continues to be. Um, you wanted to talk a little bit about Modern Warfare 3. Yes, uh, this was the big game out of all of the great games that released last year mm -hmm. that I was most gutted that I couldn't cover because <laughs> Modern Warfare 3 is such a paradox of a game. Yeah. I actually got a code from it, from Activision, because yeah. I thought I'd be back in time nah, to fine. do a review of it. Uh -huh. uh, didn't, didn't manage to do it. We did do some coverage, though, on uh -huh. the channel, which you should definitely check out. I watched those videos. They were really good. Thank you. Um, but my issue with Modern Warfare 3 is I think it is the rise of Skywalker of the Call of Duty <laughs> franchise. Right. And what I mean by that is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 introduced a lot of new elements and changes to the Call of Duty formula that were very divisive. Mm. A lot of people did not like the changes to the minimap, the changes to slide cancelling, the changes to weapon tuning and weapon unlocks. I was a fan of some of those things, mm. wasn't a fan of others, but I at least appreciated that... Um, you know, the franchise was trying something new. It was trying to have this mm -hmm. new identity, similarly to Star Wars The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. That was a very divisive movie that some people absolutely hate, some people absolutely love. Mm -hmm. But I can kind of just appreciate it as something that, you know, at least try to do yeah, definitely something new. Something, yeah. yeah, I'd rather something try to be original and fail than, like you were saying there with Avatar, try to play it safe and kind of appeal to yep. everyone. So, Modern Warfare 3 comes out, and this game is total fan service. <laughs> this game's marketing, at least in the hardcore circles, was sold not on anything original it had to bring to the table, but on undoing thing changes mm. that Modern Warfare 2 made by rolling back a lot of things that game introduced. Kind of, in my opinion, like how Rise of Skywalker yeah, tried to totally. retcon a bunch of stuff from The Last Jedi and said, no, 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 we know you didn't like that. We're going to pivot into a new direction. Mm -hmm. And to me, whilst I did appreciate some of those changes, I think the combat is better than ever. You know, it's mm -hmm. fast, it's fluid, it feels really snappy and good. I'm loving playing multiplayer. I'm loving playing Warzone. Mm -hmm. It's just made for a kind of soulless shell of a release that I genuinely can't believe happened. I can't believe we have Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, their premier franchise. I can't believe that it has a multiplayer suite made entirely from maps 
from Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I, I can't so believe thrown together. we have a campaign that is touting its openness and originality, but is made so much from Call of Duty Warzone 1's open world map with a few changes. <laughs> I can't believe the zombie mode made by Treyarch, which is still fun, you know, all of this is still fun, um, is reusing the Warzone map. Mm. It just feels like it's, I know, I'm not blaming the developers for this, by the way, because apparently, according to reports, it was made in like 18 months, maybe even yeah, less. Yeah. And, you know, they they could only do their best. This is not their, this is, I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming Activision for having the absolute audacity to sell us a true sequel mm-hmm. whilst clearly not respecting the developers enough to give them the time to make something original and make something special. And despite going on that big rant and getting on my soapbox, <laughs> I've played it for 400 hours. Oh my I, God. And I absolutely love the new version of Warzone. <laughs> and like, I love the mechanics. It's it's a paradox of a game. I man. remember asking you, should I get this one? Because I've played every single COD every year. I think that that's the, the, the hilarious thing with this is that I dropped off COD back when the original Modern Warfare 3 came out because it was like there was one every year and I got Black Ops and I think it, I think it was Black Ops and then Modern Warfare 3. Uh, yes. I think so, yeah. And I remember like playing that with my house, housemates at the time. It was Black Ops, Modern Warfare 2, Black Ops 2, then I think Modern Warfare yes. 3. Okay, yeah. okay. Because, okay, so the, the, that was the thing where Black Ops felt like a spinoff. So it was like, ah, I don't necessarily need that. And then when Modern Warfare 3 came around, um, I think it was like, for whatever reason, I remember not getting Modern Warfare 3 and I remember disconnecting from the cycle. And it wasn't that far into the cycle at that point, but at, at the time, that and Assassin's Creed were, um, you know, experimenting with yearly releases and that was like a whole thing because only sports games used to do that. Yeah. Um, and I remember just thinking like, I don't think I need this. And I remember watching some of my housemates play it and I was like, nah, I don't need this. Like, yeah. I, I'm done for a little bit. Um, and then obviously came back in like Advanced Warfare, which is probably the, the next one anyway. I know Ghosts was 2012. And then yes. Like, yeah. And it was like all that kind of stuff. Um, but now that it all came back around again, I was like, I actually never got never got around to Modern Warfare 2's campaign. Like, I ended up only getting COD because I like COD launch weekend. Yeah. I like getting some like some snacks in, playing some COD on a weekend, um, and sometimes it sticks. But, like, Modern Warfare 3, I remember asking you, should I bother getting this? And you were like, it plays really well, but the rest of it, nah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to save my 70 pounds or whatever. That's the annoying thing is, it's, it's literally, to me, just the, um, what would you describe it? The way it has been sold and distributed. Mm. If this was DLC for Modern Warfare 2, it had made those changes, mm. added those maps, um, and released for even $40, I'd have been fine with it. I'd have probably even been praising it as an excellent release. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just, it's the gall and the audacity of making it a numbered sequel. Yes. In my head, kind of giving a slap to the face to Infinity Ward, which I know some um, diehard COD fans, they, they're not a fan of that studio and the changes they made, fair enough. But mm. to have, like, a franchise that you're shepherding, that you have ownership over, <laughs> suddenly be rushed out by another team from previous... Uh, assets from a previous game, to me, that's like an insult, right? Oh, dude, I, totally, I don't know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to speak for the developers, but even as a fan watching that, I was angry that they were treating this franchise the same way and they could have just avoided it by calling it Modern Warfare 2 Year 2, but they were so scared <laughs> of not having what they describe as a premium title that they would never, never do that. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be because another thing that happened when you were away is like Bobby Kotick finally stepping down or announcing he's going to be stepping down. I forget the exact date of that, but it's it's either happened or it's happening very soon. Whatever, either or the era of Kotick at Activision is coming to an end. I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, idea of a numbered card was just pushed through so that he can get as much of a golden parachute as possible. Yeah, good um, point. Because it's like it's you might you might as well if you're being called business a hole do the numbered sequel and cash in on the the extra unit sales you'll get from that uh, one last time. Yeah, I know Shreya. Jason Schreier has done, he did a report on like the development of it. I think that's where the 18 month number came mm. from. Um, but I, I wonder, based off that, I wonder how much, what was driving the decision to turn it from an expansion to a full premium release? Was mm. it what you mentioned there? Was it just executives getting greedy at the last minute? Or was it maybe, this is kind of my my conspiracy theory is, did they expect the Microsoft deal to take so long to finalize? Mm. And then at a certain point, they had to pull the trigger on whether or not they wanted a premium release. I mm. wonder if that if that deal went through sooner, would mm. they have kept it an expansion? I don't know. That's just me hypothesizing. But there's so many weird things behind the scenes yeah. with that franchise and with Activision that I just don't know how they keep rushing those games out. We've talked about it so many times before. I feel mm. like a broken record, but it's the same mistakes over and over again. You mentioned the original Modern Warfare 3, the exact same thing. <laughs> Rushed together because the team had that massive exodus. There was the whole thing between the heads of Infinity Ward mm. and Activision going on to make a new studio. That was made by a bunch of support studios, you know, in a really crunched time frame. It's happened again with the same number, with the same titled game. <laughs> that was my thing with it, where I was like, it's been 10 years or whatever it's been in between the games. And I'm, I'm getting the same level of, I just bought this. I don't need this again. And it's like, when Modern, when, when Modern Warfare 2 came out, I um, made me realize how much I love the uh, 2019 Modern Warfare. I was like, this is just peak COD to me. Yeah. And for as much as I'm going to play Call of Duty, like I'm not going to do the Battle Royale. I'm just going to hop in, do a few multiplayer matches um, on Shipyard and, <laughs> and and just do a bit of that. And like, I'm fine with that. And so I got Modern Warfare 2 because it felt like I just should kind of thing. Um, but I barely played it. I didn't finish the campaign because it got such terrible reviews um, or it was really short anyway. Um, and then Modern Warfare 3 came out and it was immediately a year after. And I was like, you're just forcing this. It feels so forced. And I just, I'd be fascinated by the um, the dev stories that went yeah. into that. Because it was interesting when uh, at the Game Awards, we'll talk about the Game Awards in a sec, but at the Game Awards, when uh, Chris Judge, uh, Chris, yeah, Chris Judge made the joke about the length of his speech last year um, being longer than Modern Warfare 3's campaign or something. And all the devs um, piled on him from uh, the Call of Duty side. And, uh, and just sort of seemed to get across. I mean, obviously you would, that like, you know, we blood, sweat and tears for this thing. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the reality of how that came together, they're, they're still very proud of it. And so I'd love to know what that was. It's not like no one works in this industry at that level if they're not living and breathing it. Absolutely not. And you know, that's, that's the major frustrating thing to me is that when those jokes are made, it's not at the expense of Bobby Kodak no. or whoever made that decision. It's the expense of those developers who, like you said, you know, were putting blood, sweat, and tears into this project mm. were under impossible pressure and deadlines because of the turnaround, because yeah. of the expectations that go into a game titled Modern Warfare 3. And that's kind of why, despite, you know, kind of criticizing the game quite heavily there, like that criticism hopefully comes through as not being directed towards the developers no, no, in I particular. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's not them making the decisions that I'm most frustrated with. Like I said, the gameplay plays great. I actually love the new version of Warzone. Right. I played so many hours of that thing. Uh, I feel like I might, I might go pro, mate. I might, <laughs> I might start streaming. Uh, I, think, I think I've got the skills to pay the bills at this moment in time. But yeah, that's the point that I'm trying to make is like, it's, it's 
it's a tough industry because the developers get the brunt of the criticism they feel at the most because they're mm. the most passionate about the game. Mm. Bobby Kodak doesn't give a sh- no a shoot about <laughs> Call of Duty apart from the fact that it makes the company and him money. He isn't. He's not passionate about the story, the no. characters, the multiplayer, the maps, or anything like that. You know, it's the developers who would who have that passion. Yeah, man, that's one of those like multiple things are true things where it's like they're obviously going to work their asses off for it. They wouldn't have the final call on uh, on turning around the numbered installment. I wouldn't be surprised if some sort of contractual obligation was written in there about the the way that it was all taken over from the Microsoft side, where Kodak wanted to close out the Modern Warfare run or, or current run games that were in production or something. And I thought that joke was hilarious. I actually really want, I really want industry stand up. Because mm. there are so many issues that need to be uh, shone a light on, and I think that's one of the ways to do it. Like I, I'm a huge comedy fan anyway, so it's like I would love it if you had someone who, as long as it was well written, yeah. And it's like because the Chris Judge thing didn't come across as like mean spirited. It was just like a joke about. I mean, everyone was talking about it. Like yeah. the the campaign was a few hours long. Like it's it doesn't need to go further than that. Um, as soon as the devs were like, "Oh my god, how dare you!" I was like, I, "I I get it, I totally get it." But I think he was just making a light job. Me too. And again, maybe it's not my place to say, it, but it's almost like. He's not punching down there. You know, Call of Duty, the biggest sort of, one of the biggest gaming franchises in in the world. It's not like it's, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm wrong, but it it doesn't feel like, you know, it was making fun of an indie developer who didn't Mm. have the time to make their game bigger or anything. Like it's Call of Duty. Like if, if the joke is directed, like I said, at the executives, at the higher ups, the people making these decisions, the Mm. people ultimately responsible for creating the environment that, results in a short kind of cobbled together campaign like yeah we need to we need to get light on those issues totally at the top. I think yeah and I think being able to like have it through a, a comedy lens or whatever is at least a step in that direction um, I mean on the voice acting side there's the um, you, I guess you missed some of this too like the um, all the AI stuff like the fact that the the commentators in the finals are AI generated oh, and right, it's so it? obvious right. like um that idea of ai replacing voice actors and that conversation as well and i, I think this year like for 2024 is going to be that conversation even more like you have um ai generated scripts like ai is very much prevalent in uh, game design like it's you know it's there there are co-pilots for script writing like um, things like that. So I, I imagine that that's going to be a, a bigger conversation anyway. Um, the next thing that we had down, we could we could go on and on, but I think we should talk about, and <laughs> uh, we're going to do another podcast as well. Um, it'll be next week's one on the state of Sony, Microsoft, and, X, and um, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo going into 2024, because I personally think um, that 2024 is going to be a filler year. I hope that by saying that, I trigger releases of like a new Star Fox and another Metroid or something. I hope you do um, too. But I feel like all three of them are kind of just in this weird holding pattern because we're actually in the the uh, the shadow of a, a turnover of hardware. There's the next Nintendo system, but they're not in any rush to put it out. Uh, the PS5 Pro has like is is already out there, but they've talked about doing another thing. Um, and Xbox just keep buying stuff. They don't even <laughs> seem to know what they are. So we're going to do a proper podcast on the state of the systems uh, next week. Um, but I thought we talk a little bit about Jim Ryan and. The, the live service stuff because you missed him announcing his retirement and um, which will happen uh, next year this year um, and the China changing of the stuff behind the scenes that's part of why I think Sony's in such a weird space at the minute we can just do surface level things but their whole push into live services that idea of like what if we had 10 fortnights what if we just had all this money coming in yeah. that the reception to that has been so negative I think the proof's going to be in the reception of Foam Stars and um, Helldivers 2 because Sony just recently put out their um, highlight reel of what's what's coming to PlayStation in the next few months and there's not any first party stuff on there yeah like uh, which is very very telling I think that you I mean I guess Foam Stars technically is because they um, it's made by Square Enix but it's them um, but that whole thing of just like 
doubling down on live service stuff, the reception being horrible, having to walk a lot of it back. Um, I can only then assume that Jim Ryan's like, I can't make this work. I'm yeah. going to step away. Um, obviously, he cited traveling. He didn't want to keep traveling between London and Japan and America all the time, which is completely fair enough. Um, but I think that whole life service gamble has failed. Um, and I think it's going to be very weird watching Sony flail across this year to fill the gaps. I'm just so pleased that they have more or less admitted it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I have nothing against Jim Ryan, the person, no. but the Jim Ryan PlayStation era to me was so cold, so cold, so, um, Boring, yeah. so boring. Like all the decisions. Wired interview for you. Yeah, all the decisions that were made, the lack of flash, the lack of major feeling announcements, and the doubling down on remakes, remasters, sequels to the biggest franchises, and of course the push into live services. Mm. You know, I still enjoyed so many games that came out in that era, but it lacked the spark of yeah. you know that PS4 run where we were getting these new IPs, these exciting deals mm-hmm. that were being made. It was just. To me, the Jim Ryan era was more of the same with a pivot into a potentially dangerous area and <laughs> seeing them kind of hold their hands up and say, look, we, we wanted to make live service games, but live service games are really hard yeah. and so many of them fail. I'd rather them do that now, honestly, and have a kind of nothing year mm. than push ahead and look not look forward to a 2025 full of live service games that look as bland as the one they've <laughs> the ones they've announced so far. Yeah, I am I, I'm curious from a peripheral standpoint, like just how Helldivers Two and Foam Stars does. I think Foam Stars is going to bomb. Mm. Um, I think Helldivers because it's such a weird like I like I really liked Helldivers One. I didn't play that much of it because it felt like you needed a local corp like squad to play with. And I played bits and pieces of it with different friends and my um, my wife was a girlfriend at the time. And it's like it plays really well. It had like some cool little systems in like like fighting game style combos to unleash barrages of missiles and stuff. It's a nice idea. Yeah. Um, bringing that back, what is now 10 years later, yeah. is such a, just such a weird thing where I was like, maybe that can work. 10 years since the first one? I think so, yeah. Wow. I'm pretty sure Helldivers is 2014. Wow. Because um, it was a PS4 game. And uh, I'm pretty sure that was like a launch PS4 game. But like, or it was around the launch period. But like, yeah, bringing that back, I was like, someone somewhere had to make the case for that. And I want to believe in that person or that team or that, yeah. that initiative to, to not just go like, oh, we're going to do an arbitrary sequel. We're going to try and something in there is worth doing for Helldivers, apparently. I was like, that's kind of interesting. But I don't think that's actually going to work. Mm. Um, I think people will uh, check it out because it seems like it's a cool looking third person shooter. And we, God knows, we have very little third person shooters. Um, but I just think the whole initiative is, is worth just table swiping away. and remembering why you guys matter in the first place, but also bringing the budgets down for the likes of Spider-Man. Yes. Insomniac, all their, you missed the Insomniac leak, but there was all that stuff with just how stretched thin they are um, and how their ends barely meet in regards to what they're paying for. Um, And they're just the Marvel studio for the next 10 years. Um, I've said for so long, bring your budgets down and do, in Spidey 2's case, um, taking a 360 million budget, divide, give me 10, 36 million games. One of them will do well. You know what? When we, when we talk about um, the future of PlayStation, my mind always goes back to that one report from 2021. Again, I think it was Jason Schreier when they were talking about the Last of Us Part 1 remake being in development. <laughs> and in yeah. that report, it was essentially written as a prophecy of things to come. Everything we've just talked about there, yeah. the budgeting, uh, the, the ballooning budgets resulting in a more limited focus on what gets greenlit, playing it safe with franchises. How is this going to be sustainable? And we've literally seen that play mm-hmm. out over 
the few years since that report came out. And to me, the live service pivot was always seemed like a way to for them to uh, justify spending that amount of money on a game mm. because the ceiling, yes, sadly, true, true. for successful live service games in terms of profit far exceeds mm. the profit ceiling of single-player games, mm-hmm. you know? I don't like that that's the thing, but it is in well, terms of the amount of microtransactions you can be sold, the amount of the amount that the content post-launch costs compared to a, a new Spider-Man 2 or a new Horizon mm-hmm. or whatever. But I do appreciate that, at least in terms of what Naughty Dog has done with The Last of Us Factions, a game I am good at, I will never get to play it truthfully. Right. Um, but I do like that in their announcement of the cancellation, they said, look, we had a choice. We could either make factions and become a live service studio mm. forever, essentially, or at least for the next decade or whatever, mm-hmm. or we could focus on single-player games. And if that's the choice, if it is, if I believe the PR speak, if I believe what they put out, and if the choice is that binary, I'm going to, as much as I wanted to play factions, I'm going to choose single-player yeah, studios course. every time. Yeah, of course. Like, I think that's the whole thing is that it seems to be, it's literally about the amount of money being invested in the single-player projects. That b- insane budget for Spider-Man, I would have to imagine, is largely down to the license cost. Although at the same time, people did do geographical analysis and worked out, I forget where Insomniac are based, but their particular region, the uh, the wages are very high for coders. Like, it makes sense. You have a, a and Insomniac are phenomenal. Yeah. They deserve every penny. Yeah. Like, and, 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 and then some. Like, I love Insomniac. Um, but it's, it is also that thing of like, you know, what if you did make smaller games? I've been tooting on about that for months, but I would love to see a, a bigger team, green light five, eight, ten smaller projects that are story-based and gameplay mechanic-based, and I nigh on guarantee one of them would do well. Mm. Like, across the end of um, the last few years, we've seen the smaller games dominate. Lethal Company absolutely dominated last year, and that's not even on consoles. Yeah. But, and it, it's barely, like, rendered. Like, the animation in that is, all, is very, very basic, because people want new gameplay ideas. And I, that's the thing that I've always been rambling on about but i'm just like for me it's always the the ditch the cinematic focus and the amount of money you're putting into rendering cinematics and everything else and obviously me and you talked about it loads but i have to imagine that they're hitting the limits on that like um the the red dead 2s the naughty dog uh, last of us's that level of um rendering is i don't know if you're gonna do that it needs to be a shorter game or something yeah 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 something that has to make that stuff make sense yeah something has to give at a certain point whether it is she a length or she a yeah. scale, you know, just trying to balance those budgets a little more because it is an industry-wide kind of issue mm-hmm. that I think a lot of these um, companies are facing because, you know, it feels, I don't know, it feels, it's always been precarious to be in a video game studio just mm-hmm. because of how <laughs> how many bastards um, <laughs> are in charge of overseeing them from an uh-huh. executive level and how many times they get screwed over and stuff. But but right now, in terms of, like, the actual margins in how you can have a great game, but because it costs so much mm. and because it didn't sell FIFA-level um, copies, it can tank the entire studio. And like, it's like, that can't be healthy. Yeah, sorry, I didn't cut you off there. No. But the, um, I think that that overall approach of, like, okay, cool, our studio identity is that we want to have big, single-player, story-driven games with really well-rendered graphics and have lifelike-looking character models and everything else. I think you can do that, and I think you can also have the live service model as well. It's just not doing the, the big corpo, okay, all our eggs are in this basket now, this thing's worthless, we're now over here doing EA 2014, no one cares about single-player games. Yes. Um, that's the, the the big business shift that never works. You can 
absolutely have one, two multiplayer modes over there that get monetized over time and become your live service Fortnites. Yeah. Um, but leading with, it was like 12, they want to have 12 projects over yeah, the finish line. Yeah. By the end of this year, which obviously that's not going to happen anymore. And look, again, I get the, um, the, the sort of business sense on paper of Sony having an executive, whether it was Jim Ryan or whether it was someone else, mm. Come in, look at the amount of money their IPs like The Last of Us and Uncharted and Horizon and whatever mm. make, looking at the profit ceiling of the live service formula in doing what you always yeah. describe as the David Brent movement <laughs> of interlocking <laughs> the fingers in just having dollar signs in their eyes. But obviously the reality of that is if you want to make live service versions of those franchises, you need the people who have built those franchises yeah. to make those live service games mm -hmm. in that, like the Naughty Dog case, might completely transform the studios themselves, the DNA, the the, the what people love about them. To me, I'm, I'm, I would still buy a Last of Us Factions, right. though with this context in mind, like why doesn't Sony just like get a studio known for live service games to make that game. Like, mm -hmm. why do the studios themselves have to transform to kind of fit their market goals mm -hmm. when surely they've got enough money to just give a Last of Us online spin-off to someone else? Like, I know Naughty Dog and those developers are going to be very protective over it. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I'm being hypocritical after just slagging off Activision for kind of doing that with Modern Warfare 3, but <laughs> if the marketing's right, if the, if, if the messaging is correct, like... I well, Sony Bend yeah. have like done it before. Like you had an Uncharted from Sony Bend. Yeah. Like there's there are ways that the big um, Sony temples have been given to other studios to get over the finish line. Like obviously the later Crash Bandicoot games, the later Jack and Daxter games. Like they weren't Naughty Dog. Um, for me, it was just like starting in a more humble position rather than starting with like. It's, I think it's the I think the, the term is poisonous at this point. Like live service just comes with too much baggage. Yeah. It's like if you just launched Last of Us Factions and it was just a multiplayer mode, it didn't even have any additional monetization to it. And then um you you know, you see how that goes and then you plug it. Actually we're gonna support this for the next few we're gonna do a whole season. Um and you have a player base that are hungry for it, it goes down a lot better yeah. than just we're immediately trying to charge you for Ellie's original t shirt or whatever it is. I think there's ways to do that. They have to eat the costs up front, which they don't want to do. Yes. Um and that's obviously part of it. But like yeah, I think there's a way to foster a multiplayer. No Man's Sky has the entire community screaming at Hello Games going, we'll give you more money, let <laughs> us give you more money. And they just won't do it. Um, and we're eight years in now with free updates. Like yeah. No Man's Sky is an absolute behemoth, but it hasn't once changed its monetization. I'm really interested in the Bungie acquisition from Sony because obviously yeah, they got yeah. Bungie in as the live service experts, which, you know, in their field, they are. Mm -hmm. But Until they lost half their revenue. This yeah. is what I was going to say, right? <laughs> but... Do, when the report came out that apparently Bungie looked at The Last of Us Factions and said, like, this isn't good enough, we'd make these changes, mm. do I trust Bungie enough to be making those suggestions? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I would personally, and I said this at the time, you know, I, I would rather have seen what a naughty dog version of a live mm. service model looked like rather than the one we already know with Bungie because, yeah, you know, Destiny 2 has had its high, uh, high points and mm. has, made, has had some really good experiences, but is that as good as we can get? Like, can well, we not get better? Thing. It was funny with, yeah, because all that stuff all happened at once where, like, you had, like, internally, you mentioned 
before about the idea of getting single-player studios making multiplayer stuff. Um, and the reporting from David Jaffe, original God of War creator, who um, you know is still in touch with various veteran members of Sony, um, was the fir- person who mentioned on his podcast that Connie Booth had left, who'd been with Sony for 34 years, because according to him, she was in charge of trying to wrangle all these single-player teams and get them excited about multiplayer. Yeah. And it just wasn't happening. And when she started feeding that back to the, the relevant parties, um, she was let go. So there was that side of it. And then what came out after that was that Bungie had missed their internal revenue target by, I think, 50% or something yeah. huge. Maybe 30%, 40%. Still, it was a lot. But internally, they were the review body, whichever members of Bungie that was, going around analyzing internally the various live service games that were coming up um, and making critical decisions and canceling Last of Us and whatever. But then when they... And that was before their revenue numbers came out. So mm-hmm. it was like, well, if you guys can't even get it right, <laughs> yeah. why are you passing judgment on these other things? Um, ultimately, for me, um, I, I don't want the, the live service future um, so I don't really mind. I, I love a multiplayer game every now and then, yeah. but I think you should monetize it after the fan base is there. Yeah. I think it's in, I think we're doing it, or they're doing it in the wrong order. I think you need to try a bunch of cool multiplayer ideas, like Lethal Company, like Among Us, whatever it is, see what works and monetize after if the fan base is there. Yes. I don't think you can lead by going like, now you're going to care about a season pass. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I yeah. don't even know what I'm playing yet. No, I think that's a great point. You know, if, if for instance, Destiny was the MCU in mm. terms of how it, built up its identity, its player base, got people convinced that Bungie could deliver an experience. Like, I think Sony's approach was Warner Brothers and the DC Extended Universe by saying, well, you know, what if we just fast-track it? We've got all of these games, we've got all these teams, we've got these brands people know. Mm. People will care because people like the brands. Of course, they're going to pay for it, but obviously it's not as easy as that. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd be a billionaire. I always thought um, for the DCEU, which has now ended, that was another thing that ended at the end of last year, if they had led with an Avengers-style movie, if it was well-made and you Mm. had... Uh, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, The Flash, doing cool stuff yeah. immediately with the uh, and to the to the casual person who was watching, I would be watching that going like, I don't know your full power sets, but this is cool. Then I would care about the single single person single player. I was going to say yeah. single movie spinoff, and you could do a reverse Avengers, but uh, in the in the movie world, that just didn't work at all. No. But um, and yeah, in regards to the way that all this has been handled, to bring it all the way back to Sony, which we weren't going to go in detail, and then look at what we did, um, still. Uh, it's going to be a miracle if they have anything meaningful on the single-player side that is first party for the rest of this year. Because I think internally, they're on fire right now in a bad way. And I, I'll be amazed if they have anything to actually show for it. Other than, I think they're going to lean on um, Rise of the Ronin and Death Stranding 2. Yeah. And they'll lean on, maybe they'll shadow drop something later in the year. But I, think it'll, I don't think they'll have anything big. You might disagree with this, right? I will. I'm all right with that for this year because, mm. in my opinion, they've had a crack and run over the past couple, you mm. know. To me, I know we differ on this, but the games they've put out from the first part, from a first party's perspective, you know, God of War, uh, Ragnarok, and then Horizon, and then Spider Man, and then Gran Turismo, and then the PSVR on top of that, if mm. you can count that. To me, they've had a good run, mm-hmm. and if they only, only in quotes, have this year third party exclusives like Final Fantasy Rebirth and Death Stranding 2 with a few other things like Rise of the Ronin and Helldivers in there, maybe a few surprises at the end of the year. Mm. I'm all right with that. It's not the best year. I'm not going to say they're going to win any <laughs> awards um, with, with that lineup. But in terms of the run they've had, if they need a breather, as long as they don't take too long with that breather yeah. like Microsoft did for 10 years, you know, I'm all right with it for yeah, this no, year like, specifically. I'm, I'm all right with it too. I just, I just think it's interesting the amount of um, watching big business try big moves and then watching the reception and how wrong you can read a market. Yeah. Um, but you can also see, like you said before, the dollar signs, you can absolutely see Jim Ryan and a bunch of big men going like, this is definitely what we should be doing. Yeah. 
um, and going down that route and then the reception, everybody going like, nah, that's it, not it. You have to remember, not, and again, not Jim Ryan specifically, but mm. like the people, like the people at the top, 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 top of these companies don't know how video games are made, no. don't know anything about video game studios, <laughs> don't understand that it takes time and effort to curate a team like a Naughty Dog or an Insomniac with a, with obviously diverse skills, they can make a bunch of different types of games. They're not cons- confined to one thing, but mm-hmm. it's a big difference. It's, and it's a big ask to suddenly ask a team designed with one like umbrella type of game in mind to suddenly then pump out oh, a yeah. $1 billion earning live service game when they have <laughs> no experience, when they've completely built themselves in a different way. Mm-hmm. But the people at the top are just like, now they can do it. It's, it's going to be they, so easy. They yeah. love Anthem. Yeah. They, they, they played Mass Effect wanting Anthem. It's just uh, the way that it went. We will continue talking about all the things. We're at one hour, Josh Brown. Wow. It flies by. Oh, time flies. It eh? does. This is our new time. Whenever we check in, we'll just do a little cheeky little hour just every now and then. I like it. I like it a lot. You know, podcast, like I've always said, podcasts, my favorite things to do. <laughs> Miss them dearly. You're stay lucky. In this range. Yeah, stay in this range. Why you're lucky. Not? You're but, lucky uh, I didn't uh, trap you in here for three hours and talk to you about everything I'll else that I've played. If we're going to do, actually, I'll, I'll um, let's slip what we're going to talk about. If we can bring it together, the podcast later in the week will be um, the, actually, no, the one later in the week is the company deep dive. I said next week for that. You did. I was wrong. The one later in the week is about the state of all three companies. And um, we'll dive into what's happening with Xbox and what's going on with uh, Nintendo, as Marvin Gaye once said. And also next week, we'll talk about the completely subjective games of the year from 2023, yes. oh. because I want to talk about Gravity Circuit. And I did have it in the overall games of the year that went up on the, the video side of things. But um, as we've talked about, when we once did a podcast on objectivity and subjectivity, because we're yes. that damn nerdy. Um, if I'm doing the the channel, the sites, games of the year, they're not my top twenty. <laughs> they're like a it's a it's a whole quality uh, reviewing thing where I'm looking at like okay, what was the most put together put together game? Um, which is a roundabout way of saying the Phantom Liberties games of the uh, it's a game of the year. <laughs> if, uh, if we're getting actually serious about it, um, but for now, a genuinely lovely massive thank you to yourself for showing up. Love seeing you. So proud of you. And um, it's been lovely to have you back. Hey, thank you. Thank everyone listening. It's uh, it's it's been good to be back. Yeah, it's been good to be back. Absolutely. We're doing well. Thank you all very much for listening, and we'll catch you very soon. Take care. See ya. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.